I want to begin this morning with a question. I want to ask, who is it that you have brought into worship with you this morning? One of the wonderful things that we found in our last appointment was that lots of people would come and visit us. Over the seven years that we were in Coronado, we regularly had people from each of our prior congregations appear in Sunday worship. People from La Jolla, from Borrego Springs, from Tustin, and even from Atascadero. On our first Sunday in Coronado, after the second service, I was surprised when the senior pastor that I'd served under in La Jolla came up to greet me. I had not seen him sitting in the midst of the congregation. But this isn't really what I'm getting at with my question, who have you brought into worship with you this morning? Rather, I am focused on the reality that whether we are aware of it or not, all of us have actually brought many, many people into the sanctuary with us this morning. A few days before my first Sunday preaching here, I came into the sanctuary to rehearse my sermon. Before I started, and as I've done in other churches, I took some time to think of the people, the saints, who would be with me on my first Sunday here at Santa Barbara First. The names that I thought of are, as Hebrews 12 puts it, that cloud of witnesses that I bring into worship with me Sunday after Sunday. Some of these saints are those who have died, and others are very much alive. But all of them are people who help me as I run with perseverance the race that is set before me. In the choir are are Bill Wright and Jim Nolfi. They were wonderful men who sang in the Borrego Springs Choir, and they were generous with their time and their talent and financial giving in support of the ministries of the church. Also in the choir, sitting right beside Nathan, is my father, Jack Fiesler. He was the choir director at my home church, First United Methodist Church of El Centro. And he was also one of the most popular Bible study leaders in the church, more popular, I dare say, than some of the ministers. But but, uh, all of these men are now singing for an audience of one in heaven's choir. To my right is my Aunt Marge. Other than my wife, she is the woman who has loved me as unconditionally as any human being could. Taking me 
into her home when I was a newborn because my mother was unwell and unable to care for me for a few months. She's 98 and a half years old now. I had uh, dinner with her about three weeks ago. Now, Paul Jagger is a couple rows back, maybe sitting next to Jeannie there. Um, Dr. Jagger was the chief medical officer at the University of California, San Diego Medical Center, and he was a key volunteer in the youth ministry at the La Jolla United Methodist Church, though I don't think he interacted with the youth all that much. You see, uh, Dr. Jagger was the head cook for our midweek youth ministry, planning, purchasing, and preparing sit-down meals every Wednesday night for 30 youth and 20 adult volunteers. Esther May Rumor is closer to the back. Even at 90 years old, she would drive herself to evening meetings in Atascadero. Though her body was racked with pain, I never heard her speak an unkind word. Both my wife and daughter will tell you that when they grow up, they would like to be Esther May Rumor. Jerry Swisher, one of the loveliest women that I've ever met and who never failed to ask to pray for me and my family whenever I would visit with her in Coronado, is certainly sitting next to Esther May. I think they're cracking each other up. I cherish their presence every Sunday morning. Over to the left and in the front row is the Watterson family. Now, these folks were in the Tustin Church, and they were related to the patriarchal uh, minister of the church, Al Watterson. If you want to think about who Al Watterson was like, just think Lloyd Satchin. Was that important to the church? Unfailingly supportive, they always sat in the front row because they knew that Methodists never sit in the front row. And so they knew they would never be taking anyone else's preferred seat. Also over here is Barbara Wright. From the mid-1960s to 2003, when I first arrived in Borrego Springs, Barbara was the very first person that anyone met. She made a point to write down everyone's names. And at the beginning of the service, she would stand up and introduce and welcome them to worship. It was Barbara Wright who taught me the value of remembering names. Barbara passed away in 2015. In the back row are four pastors. I don't know why they're in the back row. Maybe they got tired of sitting up here. Uh, Don Shelby, Ray Worth, Paul Ray, and Bill Word. 
All of them, in their own way, were incredibly gracious, never failing to express appreciation and encouragement for my ministry, my preaching, and my pastoring. Not every pastor does that. And though he was not an ordained minister, I also picture a man named Marshall Saunders sitting in the back row with them. Marshall Saunders established the Citizens Climate Lobby. And I suspect that some of you may have given to that organization. Marshall's uh, memorial was three months before the pandemic. But it was the first service we ever live-streamed. Marshall's impact on the world was clear not only because the sanctuary was packed to the gill, but because people in 18 different countries were watching that live-stream. So let me share three things about our reading from Hebrews 12. And the first is to notice that the author of Hebrews is inviting us to be intentional. Intentional about bringing our cloud of witnesses with us wherever we go, but especially when we gather for worship. Because God deserves the praise of every voice in heaven and on earth. I want to pause for a minute, and I want to invite you to just grab a pencil and your bulletin, and I want you to write some names of people who might be in your cloud of witnesses. Give you a few seconds to do that. hope as you do that, your heart swells with joy, remembering these folks. But intentionally welcoming our witnesses to join us in praise of God is only half of my first point. It's a three-point sermon, not a four-point sermon. Because it is important that we know that our, our cloud of witnesses are not spectators. These names are not fans. They're not shouting at at us from the bleachers uh, to encourage us. No, they are much more active than that. These witnesses are actively helping us to lay aside every weight and the sin that would slow us down or impede our steps. These witnesses are like those amazing parents who run marathons, pushing a wheelchair so that their disabled children might experience the thrill of running. That's the reason for the picture on the cover of the bulletin. Now, the second point is this. If we are not intentionally calling to mind our cloud of witnesses as we run our races, 
odds are that we will be weighed down by our crowd of critics instead. Those folks, you know, who often live rent-free inside of our heads. You know who I'm talking about, right? Do you ever get the churning, churning about that politician or pundit you just can't stand? Or maybe spend the day about a perfect response to somebody who sent you a maddening email or said something rude to you. And yes, that that crowd of critics sometimes includes yourself. The ways that you run yourself down when you make a mistake or fail to be who you really want to be. Some of you might know that Jason Isbell song, The lyric where he says, in a room by myself, looks like I'm here with the guy that I judged worse than anyone else. If we do not intentionally bring our cloud of witnesses to worship, we risk bringing our crowd of critics instead, and then we risk imitating those critics. One Sunday morning in a prior church, I received an anonymous note written as a prayer request. It was about somebody on the staff team. And it hurt my heart just to read it. And I, I felt pain for how I would have felt if I had been the subject of that prayer request. And for about an hour as I sat there in my my office, I I was stewing and and I was loading up ammunition that I would somehow use to put that person in their place, even though they were anonymous. (laughs) I was ready to join that crowd of critics with some good self-righteous indignation. I was churning inside. And then I thought, wait, what this person needs more than anything else is the love and grace of a church community because this note tells me that they are running their race with a crowd of critics in their head. And what they desperately need is a cloud of witnesses to help them cast aside the weight that is slowing them down. Over the last few years, there has been an explosion in the field of neuroscience, research related to neuroscience. And and neuroscience proves that when a negative or critical or fearful thought comes into our minds, we are hardwired to glom onto that thought like Velcro. It's like it's milliseconds, and it's stuck in our brain. That's what our primitive cave person fight-or-flight brain does. But when a positive thought comes into our minds, when we experience something that is joyful or praiseworthy or glorious, 
we actually have to intentionally hold on to that for 15 seconds before it imprints on our brains. Negative milliseconds, positive 15 seconds. That's why Philippians 4.8 is such a key verse. Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, if there is any excellence and anything worthy of praise, focus your gaze on those things. A third observation, Hebrews 12 makes it clear that even as we surround ourselves with our cloud of witnesses, The supreme means for running our race is Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Sometimes I fear we get so focused on what Jesus has done for us that we forget what Jesus wants to do with us, through us. I sometimes think Jesus has an awful lot of admirers, but not a lot of followers. But our cloud of witnesses are those who have moved beyond being a fan of Jesus to actually following him. And so as we now run our race, we might ask ourselves whether or not Someone down the road, a friend, a child, a colleague, a preacher, will they name our name among their cloud of witnesses because they saw how we responded to Jesus' invitation to follow him? Friends, take time to review the names that you wrote down. Add to that list if you need to. Those names are people who would help you to live with the peace, faith, hope, and love of Christ Jesus. Take your witnesses home with you today. Take them wherever you go this week. And for God's sake, bring them back to worship with you this next Sunday. Because they want to be here. They want to help you cast aside the weight and the sin that clings so close. So that you can cross the finish line with alleluia pouring from your lips. Amen.